0: Paul House,
1: Welcome to Pod Clubhouse Press Pass, your one-stop shop podcast where we take you behind the scenes with coverage of festivals, cons, and other live events. We're in the middle of our continuing coverage of Season 10 of the ATX TV Festival. Tonight, we're giving you a rundown of Day 6 from ATX, the festival, which is all virtual this year and hopefully for the last time. It runs until June 20th. That's a Sunday. And you can still buy your badges at ATXFestival.com. Joining us first up tonight, well, first we have Paul and Caroline. Hello, guys. Hello. Hey. This is
0: Caroline.
1: And this is Paul. Uh, But joining us up first, uh, Sheila is back again. I think making her third appearance in the old ATX roundups because she's going to give us the lowdown on the Michael J. Fox panel.
2: Hey, everyone. Hello,
1: Sheila. Hey. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Michael J. Fox award he was given was called the ATX Award in Television Excellence with the X being capitalized. It was very, very fun. I really enjoyed ATX doing that. See the
3: A in award and the T in television are also capitalized. See, yes, it's it's a whole thing.
1: They're making an acrostic. I believe that is called right. (laughs) If you if you pile them one on top of the other, it would spell ATX going down the side. So minds blown folks
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a multi-layered situation y'all
2: it really is (laughs) <laughs> All right, chill.
1: So Michael J. Fox wasn't sitting up on stage alone. He was uh, being moderated, I guess. It was a two-hander, as they say. And uh, Dennis Leary, the old A-S-S-H-O-L-E himself, was, uh, <laughs> was coming to you live from the sub-cockles. Uh, I guess that's yes. right. It's still yes. 1995 in my head, and I'm still singing Dennis Leary songs. What was this panel like? Was it uh, jovial, fun? Did they fight each other? What was, what was the uh, vibe like?
2: They, they are like the best old friends that you could possibly ask to hang out for an hour with. So they worked together on Rescue Me. Uh, Michael J. Fox was on it for a season, I think it was in season five. And he played uh, Dwight, who was a paraplegic, confined to a wheelchair. And I mean, they were, guys, I was actually a little uncomfortable because of the amount of Parkinson's jokes that were flying between these two.
0: I think they're good buddies. So I, 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 I do think that, I mean, you know, we we come from the special needs community and we can say that definitely, uh, you know, we make our, our own fair share of, of jokes that would not be appreciated, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, on, on a larger scale. But but amongst your own people that you're you're talking with, your best pals and stuff, you can kind of take it a little more lightly.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it was, they, uh, the, the jokes were <laughs> They were, were taking it lightly, They, yes. they were taking it very lightly. So this was very jovial. This was two friends just having a conversation and they were just like bewildered at the fact that they were old enough to be in the lifetime achievement category, right? That, that this guy, Michael J. Fox, has been around long enough to be in the company of previous recipients who were Henry Winkler and Norman Lear, James L. Brooks, Felicia Rashad were some of the ones that were listed. And when you think about like Norman Lear, he's right. like a <laughs> lifetime achievement right. so you know these two were joking around that like th- we feel like michael is in like the middle part of his story that there's still more to come there's still more to achieve so it was very positive it was very fun to see these two just kind of interact and like i said like the parkinson's jokes were flying from both of them and it was such a cool hour to spend with these two guys and i love dennis leary i love michael j fox all the way back to family ties like um. I'm a big Michael J. Fox
1: fan. I, so. I want to go around the horn, actually, and ask everyone, where do you th- when you see you hear Michael J. Fox, what do you think of? Because he's done so many things that are kind of iconic and and pretty famous across like 30 years worth of projects, maybe if they're more than 30, probably closer to 40 at this point. Uh, like Paul, when you hear Michael J. Fox, what, what's the first thing that you think of for, with him?
3: Alex P. Keaton.
1: See, me too. I go Alex before I go <laughs> Martin McFly. How about you, Caroline? Same, same. I'll see? All right. Uh Sheila, how but about we're you? We're all of
2: the same era. That's yeah. True. I would true. say Alex P Keaton and then marty McFly is a close second behind. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think
1: most people would probably say Martin McFly because I think you had to be growing up in the mid-80s to think of family ties. You know? That's yeah. Like, I and mean, if you go back and watch lasted. it now, yeah. yeah,
3: it's it's rather quaint by today's yeah. <laughs> standards
1: I, I think the idea of a, a teenager who has ronald reagan uh framed ronald reagan pictures over his bed uh, would be a joke lost on and today's Nixon. Youth. Uh, that's, and that's, yeah, Nixon. Nixon. <laughs>
0: that's the best i think i think
1: that would be a, a humor lost on the youth of today so I, I think so yeah
0: well we have some history with atx and good old dennis leary Paul and I have seen him several times and he's always hilarious on panels. Um, In particular, he does a lot of interacting with fans and uh, he decided to interact with Paul.
3: Yeah, he was there for a show he was on called Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. Did you guys ever see that?
1: Uh, I did. It wasn't on for very long, though, was it? I, I don't remember it lasting terribly long.
3: It was about this guy and it, and his family w- had a band, and like John Corbett was on the show, but he he had he had like hurt his foot him. or yeah. his leg, he had, like a broken leg, um, just mm. before the panel, and so he didn't come on. And uh, Dennis Leary made fun of the audience that was full of women for having come to see, um, what was the name? Aiden, yes, from uh, Sex and the, the City, yes. But- and but Aiden he, wasn't there but he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> so anyway, they have the uh, panel at the um, Alamo Draft house
0: now defunct. how sad it's gone and for us atXers of long time ago.
3: I was at this point in my life, I was still right in the middle of my hardcore protein only diet and so I ordered a a uh, salad at the movies, uh, which his co-star, whose name I cannot remember, thought was A horrible idea.
0: So he like looked out in the crowd and saw Paul with this salad and decided that we all need to talk about Paul and his salad for like the entire (laughs) panel.
3: Never mind that that guy (laughs) later on demonstrates how he's so overweight that his belt no longer functions.
0: But he was like, I got the, because he got the popcorn and he got the pretzel and he got all the stuff and he was eating it up on stage. And then he got so pissed at you for eating a salad. And everyone just kept being like, and a salad. And I was like, poor Paul, because then you guys, because they record these on panels, from years to come, we would be like in line at places and people be like, you're the guy who Dennis Leary was Stop. talking about with the salad. Yes, because it was like the whole show. It's on YouTube. I yeah. was like, oh my God. So you guys can totally go and check that out. And I, I am like trying to defend him. I'm like, he's trying to lose weight. Like, I'm like this total <laughs> idiot trying to be like, it's okay, Dennis, talk about something else. Like, oh, so awkward. What am
1: I going to do? Heckle back? <laughs> Right. To that bunch,
0: it was so funny. But
1: the guy who used to make jokes about smoking through his tracheotomy hole, right? The, the salad debate is probably going to be lost on him largely. Yeah. So. But he
0: was such a cool guy. And that's the reason why I bring it up is because he's been to so many of the ATX panels and he really interacts with fans and, you know, makes you feel like you can talk with him, I guess, as silly as that might kind of sound. So when we saw him talking with Michael J. Fox, it did have that friend feel. But also like, we're all friends. We're all sitting here. We're all chatting it up.
3: The way that they usually do the uh, Excellence in Television Award, unfortunately, they usually stack it with something else. So like you guys are experiencing just kind of a single track of things to see, but normally there's two or three tracks happening at the same time. So you got to pick and choose. So that means that of all the five years Caroline and I have gone, we've only seen one and it was James L. Brooks, but it was um phil rosenthal doing the moderating and that was the same sort of dynamic where it was this person who w- knew the per- the other person well and could ask really you know deep questions and uh the repartee was was really good i'll say phil was probably a little more Refined. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And James L. Brooks like totally like I was like chit-chatting with him afterwards and he, he was just like talking with a college professor at the end of a lecture. Like he just came over and we were chatting and then he took a picture with me and it was like very, very casual. No like lying, no handlers, no nothing weird, just all like, oh hey, let's talk about this. Like really chill. So, he just happened to be one of the fun. architects
3: of modern TV. Why don't you Yeah, come over here and take a yeah but he cell. did.
0: He came right <laughs> over and was like, Oh hi, and I'm like, Oh hi, I'm Caroline We just like chit chatted for like a a while and the thing is that that's the cool thing about atx even if you can have these like lifetime achievement people and they're still just so accessible the whole time
3: he was there with a simpsons panel that was so laid back that i got to ask like how did they come up with spider pig yep. from the audience <laughs> just call out how did you come up with spider pig and, and then james then l. Then... l
1: brooks looked down at paul and said are you the salad
2: guy pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so Dennis actually talked about how much he's been at ATX and how fun it is. So that you know, he was it was a natural thing for him to to kind of come back and do this. And you know, he was really honored to be like the the moderator for like, his first friend getting a, a lifetime achievement award. So he just felt like ATX was just like the perfect venue for all of this. So just to tie in nicely to all that,
1: they're all pulling out their a, you know AARP cards and <laughs> thinking about where where their <laughs> discounts are good for. What were like the kind of questions conversation though? Was it like reminiscing, like two old guys sitting? on like a porch or you know more pointed than that uh
2: it was a little more pointed than that um it was a free-flowing conversation for the most part so they actually recorded this I'm going to backtrack a little so they actually recorded this the week of May 18th uh, because they mentioned Charles Grodin so Charles Grodin had passed away the same week that they recorded this so around it has to be right after May 18th because that's when Charles Grodin died so they were talking about like you know some of the some of the greats that they've performed with charles Grodin was on the like the the short-lived michael j fox show playing his father and this kind of just shows like the level of of comfortability these two have with each other so they're doing this emotional scene where garden um where groden has this cardiac condition and they did three takes on the scene they thought they had it and you know he leans into michael and he says do you think we can do one without the parkinson's and like Dennis, I thought he was going to fall off his chair laughing because Michael was telling this this joke about Charles Grodin and they wanted to, you know, to share that. So that's kind of like the tone that we got for the, and it was very early on in the panel too.
3: They also talked about just TV, the, the kind of the changing state of TV over their careers.
2: That's my favorite part of this panel. They talked about, uh, and they spent a lot of time on this, like how TV has overtaken In terms of its scope and reach and quality, it's overtaken movies for a lot of a lot of people. The pandemic, like really shining a light on TV. And there was just there's been so much good stuff coming out. Like every week, there's something coming out that is fantastic. (laughs) I mean, what did he say? He says every week there's another new fucking amazing TV series with fantastic (laughs) writing and even better acting. And it's like you just can't keep up with everything that's coming out and how the experience of television watching in your home has gone from a box on the floor to this movie-like quality where you have this large flat screen TV, you have this whole experience around it that it's almost replaced the, the movie going experience for a lot of people because In the last year, people have been home for so much, but really just focusing on how good television has become. There's so many good stories to still tell, and they're just excited for, I mean, they talked about, like, have you watched the Queen's Gambit? They're excited for the Mr. In-Between that's coming back on FX. Like, they were just shooting back and forth the things that they're watching, the things that they've been enjoying. They went back to All in the Family. They were like, you know, you know, we're going back to like the the television, the golden age of television. Like this is like its second renaissance. So it was fantastic to hear that.
3: Dennis did not come with like uh, a stack of note cards. No, definitely (laughs) not to structure what he was going to talk about. But definitely the that is theme. shocking
1: to me that's, that's, <laughs> He seems like a pretty OCD guy And really well organized
0: But to be fair, I would say that he absolutely Had so much admiration And and you could feel the love From him and the respect And that this was like a genuine friendship He wasn't just there being like a slick You know, flippant comedian He was definitely there being was no a friend smack. Yeah, yeah no, no, he smack. was being a friend and, and he was wanting to show Michael In the very best light, which included humor I, I can say as, you know, as a family who does have people with special needs, I can say that, you know, when you have something that could be handled with complete kid gloves where they could have just acted like, oh, well, we shouldn't joke and we should handle this very solemnly. I think it was like a nice switch up to, to have it just be completely relaxed and just joke about the things you would joke about and show him like a regular person, you know, and talk about his career the way he wants to.
3: Well, and the, the recurring theme that they still have plenty to do, and and Michael was included in that. That he feels like he still has work to do, either more acting or more writing. He's he's written,
1: um, I think they said two or three books on various he wrote topics. One in
2: pandemic times. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I think I think that was part of the pitch of this award because it was in their blurb about it. Also, the there's no time like the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the name of his current book.
3: Definitely, um, the, the idea of being so advanced that that you'd be receiving a career type award, but then still feel like that you have plenty of career left to go was, was a theme they wanted to, to make very clear. To be completely to
0: fair, though, I would say that was across the board. I mean, we were watching Norman Lear, and there wasn't anything about him that was acting like. He's done. I mean, he was like, I got stuff to say. I got opinions. I, I think that that's probably a really like universal feeling amongst these people who have such great long careers. They're, they, they're usually still going. They got ideas flowing, you know, despite oh, for age. Sure.
3: Yeah. I guess the other one that I had seen was Felicia Rashad. And that was, yeah, that was, she
0: was awesome. Remember who did with her?
3: It was Susan Kalichi Watson.
0: Yeah. And they were so funny and cool. Yeah, their mother and daughter on This Is Us. So they had like a complete dynamic.
2: I just enjoyed like listening to these two, the banter back and forth. They were really funny. And you could just tell like that mutual admiration. Uh, Michael was saying that he'd had, there was one funny story that he had, like he broke his arm and he was like so tired of trying to make lemonade out of lemons that he was just like, I'm just gonna go and be in my room and be a recluse. And he started watching the old like heroes and icons channel, old westerns, and and just everything from like when he was a kid. Um, it had like Bonanza, it had tons of old stuff, and he was watching like all Paul Newman westerns and Maverick, and he was watching Dead or Alive with Steve McQueen. And he said his mom told him when he was young that when she was pregnant and in labor with him, she wouldn't leave until the end of one of the episodes of Dead or Alive with Steve McQueen because she wanted to see what happened till the end. So now he's watching the entire series. He's like, now I'm wondering which one it was that she couldn't, <laughs> that's very funny. that she couldn't go to the hospital and have me for. It just made him also very reflective saying that at some point they'll be gone, that they'll be the Steve McQueen's and someone will be watching him just like he's watching these icons. You know, that's when he went back into his book and saying, you know, it was very, a moment of reflection, still looking forward. And that's when they went into this, this conversation that we still have so much work to still do. And there's so many conversations out there and they talked about like social justice and frontline workers and and everything that's going on now that is factoring into the creation of these new stories.
1: I was listening to Paul talk about, you know, how they're not done yet. and I, So I looked up their age. I had, you know, Michael J. Fox is 60, Dennis Leary is 63. That's... Like, young today still, you know, especially even in Hollywood, there is tons of creativity left there. I was thinking of listening to you guys talk. I was thinking of Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner. I feel like, I mean, he passed away, I think, Carl Reiner, what, last year? Yeah, just a few months ago. Oh Yeah, he was like 98. But they were doing a version of, like, the 2,000-year-old man, like, two years ago. Yes, very recent. Mel Brooks was getting, like, roasted. He was getting some kind of award, and Carl Reiner was, like, a plant in the audience and, like, stood up. And, like, they were doing the shtick. These guys are in, like, they're a 1,000 years, they're 2,000 years old, and they're still doing it. So, you know, (laughs) age is kind of so relative now.
2: Both of them, they still have such young looking faces they
0: look boyish for
1: they sure do. Yeah. they do for and sure. it's just they it's always will to- though
2: but it's, or it's Michael hard J. To, Fox
1: always will anyway.
2: Yeah, but it's also like hard to reconcile that these guys are 60 and like, you know, that we've been watching them, like I've been watching them for almost 40 years.
1: Did you learn anything that was a super surprise before we let you go? Was there anything about Michael J. Fox or Dennis Leary that you learned that was like, wow, this is totally worth the price of admission?
0: I'll tell you one. For sure, Dennis Leary, the fact that he wrote the character with Michael J. Fox in mind for a paraplegic on Rescue Me, knowing that he has a difficult time with movement and not moving you know they were kind of like you know kind of jabbing at each other like would you have to write like a role <laughs> but then at the same time like he knew he could handle this challenge and and you know michael j fox took it on and did an amazing job that was new information for me that
2: was that was very interesting i'll tell you mine they, when they were talking about like how michael sort of got his his breaks in the business so there's two people that uh michael wanted to thank one was matthew broderick for turning down uh family ties and Eric Stoltz for, turn, for getting fired from Back to the Future. He likened himself to the guy at the at the end of the parade with the shovel, that he was just there just to, to catch all the droppings.
1: And- I, I thought about Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly so many times in my life, and it, it <laughs> troubles me and keeps me awake at night. I, I I don't know what our world would be if that had come to pass.
0: Well, anyway, <laughs> they were- they were trying to be so cool. They were like, well, Broderick had a wonderful career after that. And then it was like quiet, quiet. And they're like, and Stoltz too. Right. <laughs> not so much, but yeah, sure. One of those she Mandela
3: effect, like spin off worlds.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, he went, he got an education, Eric did. He did yeah, great exactly, for himself. Exactly, exactly.
2: Right. He injected Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. He did wonderful things.
1: His investments he have worked. done very well over the years. <laughs> right. All right, Sheila, well, uh, thanks for jumping on and talking about Michael J. Fox. We're going to let you go because I know you have other things that you need to prep for to keep watching, watching, watching. Thanks, Sheila. Bye. Bye. So moving on through day six from ATX yesterday, after Michael J. Fox got his award in excellence, ATX actually gave Angelica Ross uh, an award for a breakthrough. Uh, I think people mostly know her from Pose. It's available on VOD through the end of the festival. So it's actually something I'm planning on catching up because I missed the Michael J. Fox one, too. So but after that, a panel that I think all three of us were excited about was Central Park. Guys, I can't watch this. I missed it. And it's been pulled off. So I need you guys to I need to live vicariously. Through you, Paul and Caroline. Uh, Tell me all about the Central Park uh, panel.
3: Well, it was a little chaotic because there were so many funny people on this panel that they all wanted to have a turn being funny.
0: But I was so 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 glad that for the moderator they had the creator Lauren Bouchard.
1: He was on the mixtape panel a couple of nights ago.
0: Well, he was a fantastic moderator. I'm so glad that they brought someone in who was so intimately aware of all the details of the show, and of course had like more familiar stories and could really speak like from this place of passion about why he loves animation and why he loves particularly this show and how he feels like it's his calling. Which the other people, like Paul was saying, they're all comedians, so they were having. A little bit of a hard time not continuously giving him a sarcastic response to the point where he had to say, "Okay, I'm going to ask you guys about this because it is my calling. And he's like staring into the camera like, please curb your sarcasm and just like (laughs) answer me. And even still, they really they they tried, but they kind of couldn't, you know.
1: Who was yeah. on the panel?
3: There was uh, Kelvin Yu and Stephen Davis. They are writing partners that are listed as consulting producers, but that means they're in the writing room. You know, I'm sure they have writing credits on the show, even though they have producer credits also. There was co-creator Josh Gad, who's a member of the cast, and Leslie Odom Jr., who a lot of people know from Hamilton and other things as well. He's a He plays the dad
1: Yep, he was original oh. burr.
3: And then finally Titus Burgess, who plays the son on the show. I know him best from Kimmy Schmidt. I think
1: that's yeah. where everyone mostly knows. Him. I, I I would guess that's Little where most Titus. people know him. Titus, who's <laughs> so fun. They're also funny in the show. Uh, I actually really like Leslie and Titus's like chemistry in the show. One thing
3: I found super surprising, and you know, you see Titus on Kimmy, and you think, well, that's just channeling this this boisterous personality that can't be held down that's probably just titus in real life and on the panel titus was probably the quietest of the bunch and the most subdued when he would respond he would do it in a very titusy kind of manner but but not
0: he wasn't on constantly no. like yeah like you're saying like he was not a 24/7 right, titus exactly. bigger than life character he was 100% He's just wearing
3: like a red hoodie yeah,
0: he was very cute. <laughs> I, I loved him. I love that he was talking about how much he feels like the the show. Someone had asked him, you know, did he did he approach it differently because he's playing an eleven year old in the show? And he's like, no, because the material is so sophisticated, the songs are so wonderful that no, he treated it exactly the same way. And Cole's kind of an old soul anyway. Yeah, uh, the character he's kind he's of a little playing. man. He is, and so he was able to to just just do him as a little adult rather than really have to worry about bringing in some sort of little kid affect.
1: I'm curious, not not to dish in real world, was this mm. pre-recorded Was or was this a live panel? Do you know? Were you able to tell? I, I ask only because there was the Ellie Kemper stuff which blew up just about two weeks ago. They
0: did not talk about that. Of
1: course time. they didn't talk about it but I'm curious if maybe there was a low pro- profile being kept by him but only because he got dragged into it uh, as, as you assume he would be
0: okay so he every once in a while he was needing to put in some eye drops because he was having some allergies but there was a very specific moment where they started to get a little bit political and a little bit like they were going to start talking about tweets and stuff like that and he actually turned his camera off and like he was not on the screen for a couple of minutes now it looked like he had been fumbling around with his eye drops two seconds before that so maybe he just turned it off to put his eye drops in and that was it because he did come right back on but certainly i mean Trump's name was brought into that and stuff like like he clearly he could have gracefully avoided any type of question that could have gone that way by stepping right. out to do eye drops. <laughs> so so yeah, I don't know. They didn't go there. They were all being very, you know, sensitive.
1: You guys have both watched the the full first season and the uh, mm-hmm. season 2 comes out I think in 2 weeks. The first episode drops.
0: Actually sooner than that. It's debuting on June 25th.
1: Time is just moving on, mm. uh, but uh, actually, if you have a badge to ATX festival, you could actually watch the first two episodes of season two on uh, the VOD on at ATX right now. So go get those badges, people. As someone who had watched the show, tell me something that each of you maybe learned that you didn't know, any good story that came out that you didn't know about beforehand. This is not a
3: show that I had gone all in on <laughs> in terms of like totally investing in finding out everything about it in order just to watch it. I knew that Josh Gad was involved and et cetera, et cetera. I knew the voice actors were very as high profile voice actors as you could ask for, essentially. And that is about it. Getting a look under the hood to find out that this was conceived as as half TV cartoon, half musical and then they tried to filter in not just like how the Simpsons put a song on every so often or South Park has a song every so often. They wanted multiple songs every episode and they wanted them to be special every time, not just like filling the air. So is a stacked roster of people that they have creating music for the show they even got around to people that I do know, like they might be giants and and stuff right, like right. that. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, just so you look at their cast. You see David Diggs. You see Leslie Odom Jr. You see Josh Gad, uh, Kristen Bell. These are people who have made a lot of money singing either in movies, with Kristen Bell and Frozen, or on Broadway in a in Hamilton. I mean, Leslie Odom Jr. and David Diggs were both origin, you know, both originated roles in the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. And huge, Josh Gad. Frozen, Book uh, of Mormon. I mean, lots of street cred here for for the singing cast. Um, Every you
0: single role was amazing. I mean, Stanley Tucci playing Bitsy was yes. so funny. Uh, the first time when we sat down to watch the episode and I was like, "Who are, who is the voice of Bitsy? Like, I immediately was like, what's going on? And then I was like, oh, wait, who's the voice of Helen? And to like hear David Diggs like super fun that they were like playing with these voice actors. And I mean, gosh, it it really runs the gamut for, for different voice actors that you're going to recognize. And I think that makes it so much more fun. And to Paul's point, like they used The Simpsons as a specific example that like, yeah, you might get one song here or there, but we're talking about at least like four songs an episode is what we shoot for. So they they really are double down on the music part.
1: Uh, and the soundtrack is actually available on Spotify. I know that because Tom and I have been listening to it. It for the last day uh so and actually they already have a sneak preview of one of the songs from the season opener the season two opener is actually on spotify i don't know why they released it it's a total banger uh and a great song uh it's a, it's a helen Rap, essentially, uh, oh. which you can go uh, listen to on Spotify right now for free. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. The show, you have to think when they got like Catherine Hahn too, one of the least well-known of the core cast before like say WandaVision and now like post WandaVision people are like Catherine Hahn oh my god she's the future of Hollywood kind of thing yeah. you know and it's funny how she's just blown up in just like the last couple of months now so
0: yeah well and even their guest stars I mean when they were listing off you know Billy Porter and Don Lemon and mm-hmm. Patti Lapone and Ellie Kumper is actually on there too so I mean lots of different names that you're going to recognize even just as the guest stars which I again
3: well, amazing they, they mentioned that that they're they're still squaring it away, but it sounds like they're trying to get Ben Vereen, who came oh, to
0: them yes. and
1: said he wanted to be on the show.
0: Yes, I thought that was a, that was really amazing.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's funny. <laughs> you know, we sat down to watch it, and Tom and I did, and w- literally within like the first couple of minutes, he goes to me, he's like, oh, he's like, this looks like Bob's Burgers, and I said, well, it's funny you reason. say that. <laughs> I said, it's really funny to say that. There's a guy named Lauren Bouchard, but then well, like watching the show, like, like listening to the mayor, I was like, wait. I think that's Bob himself and it is you know <laughs> so they have you know H. John Benjamin who does like the recording uh, re- uh, recurring voices and uh, so yeah there's a lot of like you know Bob Bob's Burger crossover too if you're into that show also.
0: I think overall this is definitely something that people should check out especially over the summertime they really it's a huge love letter to New York City and Central Park and for a lot of people who are missing their Broadway fix and just a, just a chance to see the city I mean they talk about it so much and and they just kind of bring you right into the world in a way that's so cozy and feels like you know you're just being welcomed in that it's great for any age group I didn't feel like that I needed to worry about it with the kids or you know oh grandma's walking through the room or anything like that like anyone can watch it I felt completely comfortable
3: yeah we've had that situation with the the Simpsons because you know we have what thirty seasons of Simpsons on Disney Plus, and we'll we'll just sit down and be like, just turn one on. Doesn't matter which one, and then it'll be like, you know, like the one where they're trying to rekindle their sex life or something. Well, maybe not that one. <laughs> you know, not so much, yeah. Maybe the one with the puppies instead. <laughs> right. But I don't right. think we we would have that problem with Central Park.
0: No, and I- it would
3: be just no. as funny.
0: I, I, I really enjoy it. What was there? Was there an aspect to it, Mike, that you and Tom really hooked into?
1: No, with the musical, I mean, Tom and I are both kind of theater kids and theater nerds, and uh, and especially Hamilton. And yeah, the the music really got to us. We actually the humor is really funny too. I mean, there was a lot of laughing out loud by both of us. The the fast paced dialogue. I love personally as a New Yorker. I love the scenery. Uh, I, it warms my heart to see Central Park kind of get you know some love and this idea that you know this guy is you know keeping the park running kind of thing it feels like almost like a workplace comedy in a lot yeah. of ways but like set in central park so it's a it's a ton of fun yeah i love this is the kind of josh gad that i really like uh, avenue five less so this much <laughs> much more so you know this is this is the lane i like to see him in as and yeah i'm, I'm huge David D- uh, Diggs fan i'm a big Leslie odom jr fan uh, I, all these people literally the cast is super deep and i independent of the show really enjoy all of them so it's kind of like you know super friends getting together and putting their rings in the middle for me
0: it really is I, I, and I especially I enjoy the storytelling this is not just like a straightforward one basic plot kind of storytelling I, I enjoy the character that that Josh Gad plays with this like fiddler narrator birdie where he's kind of you know sticking his face in and talking to the audience and like listening in and and playing around with them as the narrator I, I think that that was a really fun again wait a. make make you feel like you're invited into this world and like he's going to just continue to walk along with you and you're going to become comfortable really fast
1: you know it's funny one of the things i like about the birdie character is then they delve into it i think in the middle of season one is where he gets overly involved in the family's business and does (laughs) the spoilers and then he gets kind of fired for the episode i love that because it's a cartoon but they're still breaking the fourth wall which i'm a big fan of stuff like that is just kind of original and even show like some since it's been on for like 30 years or it's going to be 34 or 33, something like that very soon. You don't even get that that much, uh, you know, from that kind of show anymore. So I, I appreciate this. It just feels fresh to me, I guess.
3: Well, and it takes um, something that a lot of creators fall into, which is they kind of they kind of just have their template. Like if you think of Seth MacFarlane and in his in his family guy, he translated that into American Dad with, with only a little you know, tweaking, and then he translated that into Cleveland show with only a little tweaking. You know, they were talking bears instead of an alien, instead of a dog. You know, like right. like that. Right. And th- what Bouchard has done here is he's taken Bob's Burgers, but right with with the addition of that troubadour uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. narrator, he has taken it and he's and he's improved his what would you call it template uh, and advanced it. So he's not going to create something stale he's going to stay fresh
0: and to that point too the music if you're not somebody who's who just loves you know a, a standard Broadway song I like so much how they were focused on especially in season two they're going to have more like rap and rock and just different types of music that makes you feel like again anybody can sit here and listen to this because it's not like you have to be in one lane only
1: I will say though if you don't have patience for people breaking out into songs. <laughs> you will Wait. find you, you have to have a level of patience for that because it's not like you can just fast forward through the songs. They're narratively kind of important and they're everywhere. It's hard. It's kind of like pigeon shit in the park. You can't avoid it. Four
3: songs in a 22 minute show or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure.
1: um, yeah, so you have it. That would be the only caveat I would say. I mean, in a lot of ways, I would say, you know, Bob's Burgers walked so Central Park can run. Asterisk, as long as you don't mind or really enjoy musicals i I think that's the way to pitch it lauren was like i said he was actually on the tv mixtape panel which is a panel about creating original songs for tv shows and he had a lot of things to say about how frustrating he finds writing certain genres of songs and uh particularly getting kind of cornered into having to create a full album of music uh, which he didn't want to do. He just wanted to make songs that just fit the narrative, a 30-second, you know, earworm for that and be done. And everyone around him on the show was like, no, 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 we got to make these songs longer and we got to be able to do like a full album for him. And he was like, uh, ah, curses. So it's actually really, it, it's an interesting panel overall. And it is, uh, his commentary on it is pretty interesting. So you can listen to actually our roundup from day three on that. Or if you have an ATX badge, you can go watch that on Video On Demand. That one they have on on, on demand through the rest of the festival. My
0: guess is it's just a technical issue right now why the other ones aren't on VOD I don't think
1: so. It's... Some of them were meant to only be limited run uh, where they were only available until like 2 a.m. or something like that. Oh, after... Well, that was yeah.
0: very fast for people.
1: I think the dividing line might have been the ones that were done live versus the ones that were pre-recorded. Don't quote me mm-hmm. on that, but that's my okay. instinct. So <laughs> the final event from day six at ATX was a marquee panel uh, for the audience. The also the Apple TV Plus series, uh, Mythic Quest. Uh, Is this a show either of you guys have watched and or did you watch the panel for it?
3: We have sampled the show and we watched most of
1: the panel. Uh, so this was one of them where they brought out, I think a large part of the cast. Um, They
3: filled up the screen. I was, I wasn't sure that they could get that many face bubbles on the screen. (laughs) Every time they kept saying
0: the next person's name, like, it was like, they were like holding for applause or something because it was like the next person would come and the next person and no one was really reacting. You're like, oh, there's like a lot more people to come. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a big cast. I mean, this is a, kind of the definition of an ensemble show. Let's look, uh, not including Joanna Robinson, who was the moderator. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine people on the panel. So ten total with the moderator. That's a lot of faces on a Zoom call. It uh, is. Yeah, I, I think ATX. I, I really appreciate uh, what they've done and being able to pull this off and 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 do the the virtual festival the larger panels though have suffered a bit from the zoom call anytime you get more than five or six people it's become a little unruly because you just not enough talking time and there's not the natural talking over that you would get if everyone was like in a line in chairs on stage Street each other, that aspect of the give and take that you could put 10 people on the stage and it kind of works still, I think it's a little bit lost on zoom. I don't know if you guys found it unruly watching it.
3: You, you can't talk over each other or you can't have that sort of just natural. Oh, that comment's the most interesting. So I'll just shut up and, and let them finish. That, that doesn't really work in zoom. So you've got to take turns. Case in point would be like the way that they started this panel was apparently Joanna had distributed a quiz or something wherein oh, yes. the various panelists were to decide what animal they were from this, from this list.
0: But the bummer part was they didn't really give any information about this quiz or like, so if you were someone who wanted to watch this panel and decide whether you wanted to watch Mythic Quest, you would be coming in pretty cold. And we had seen some mythic quests. So we weren't like coming in cold, but when they're just going around and they're like, I'm an otter, I'm a, and then
3: the other cast members are like, ha, ha, of course, otter, <laughs> but
0: they didn't ever explain anything or what that meant. So it was almost like a giant inside joke for like the first. It
1: bit. was, it was, well, and- there was an entire episode Uh, devoted to this personality what animal you were and
0: that's totally okay but again because of the way atx works and because it's it's the concept of yes we're visiting old shows current shows but also shows you might be interested in would have been super good to set that up a little bit more and or even provide you know some little thing in the in the write-up about like oh we're going to be talking about the something so that you could follow along a little bit you know We're just talking about for those newbies who don't get a chance to, you know, they don't know what they're talking about.
1: That's a super inside joke. Fun, yeah. (laughs) It was a great episode, but right, yeah, I I totally appreciate where you'd be like, the fuck, like, and and if you got to go around
3: like all nine panelists to to tell your story. Each
0: one, she was like, and Ashley and Charlotte. And Danny. Like I mean, that was just three, Mike. Times times three more times. Like it was just like oh And they'd
3: okay. give a little story. They wouldn't just like say otter <laughs> or lion. They they would give their little and so I, you're right. The the zoom format start. lets it yeah. It has to work this certain way or, or you can't hear anything. But then if you pick something to talk about.
0: Well, just something that's not, it's, it, if as the moderator, you don't give enough information to the audience about what you're talking about, which normally they do give a little bit of something. They'll be like, oh, you know, for you guys, new guys, like this is what we're talking about. They give a little.
3: So that theme though, of inside jokes was pretty much the panel because they were having a great time they were having a stupendous time hearing what they were talking about and and responding to each other. And I'm glad for that. I just didn't know a lot of what they were talking about most of the time as a viewer.
1: And to be fair, that episode just aired on May twenty eighth. So it only aired like two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago also. They've probably sat with it for a while. It's not like in the it's not like in the culture
0: Zeitgeist, if you right. will, of right, like right, stuff right. you should know about Mythic Quest. Like it's like, oh well wait, if we just didn't catch up yet, right. We had no idea what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Right, 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 right. Exactly. So yeah, so I I definitely see where it's like super I can see what well, from one point of view, they're like fans just saw this episode, they're gonna think this is really funny. Everyone else is gonna be like, What? I don't know, I don't remember yeah. this from season <laughs> one, I haven't watched season two yet, you know. So, <clears throat> the other problem with Zoom is when you have nine panelists and you go around one by one, it sucks up all of your time, you know. Um, yeah. That mixtape panel that I was talking about before, there were six people on that panel. One, que- they got three questions the entire hour that they were there because by the time you go through every single person. Yeah, you're done. Thanks for coming. Have a good night.
0: Which it's rough because, I mean, you know, as ATX goers, we we love to see people on our shows. We'd love to see the cast. It's it's always interesting to have industry people involved. And it's always, you know, a, a cool layer of like behind the scenes. But for a lot of shows, you really want to see your favorite character. So I appreciate that they brought out so many of the cast.
1: Uh, that's a shame, though, because this has become one of my favorite shows. Uh, I'm actually a, a big, big Big fan of Mythic Quest.
0: So, explain it for a second for those people who haven't gotten a chance to watch. Why would you recommend it?
1: Well, it appeals to me, who is you know a forty three year old pop culture nerd who also likes video games and appreciates. Again, it's a it's a workplace comedy, but it takes place at a video game developer. And it's a it's every kind of personality that you could imagine. Lots of egos. There's a lot of video game in joke stuff. I mean, they even use cutscenes mm-hmm. that are actually video game cutscenes from like real video games. Uh, you know, they've got like a partnership with like Ubisoft, which is one of the major video game developers. And so they use video they use Ubisoft, you know, cutscene character art and inserts and, and graphics and stuff sometimes on their show. So it's very niche from that. But the humors, it's it's a very funny show. It's well written. It has actually a lot of heart, which you don't get right away. You have to watch a bit of it. And you're like, man, there's actually like some like real pathos and, and some endearing characters here. But otherwise, it's just kind of funny. There's a really cynical guy. There's a really egotistical guy. There's, you know, a bunch of dreamers who just want to make great art. I don't know. For me, it appeals to my humor. It appeals to my love of video games. It appeals to the idea that video games are art. Video games are a big part of this. It, it, it's not just set. It's not like Dunder Mifflin where you have to be like a real big paper guy to watch that show. You know, like <laughs> right, right. You're, you're really, I mean, you could probably appreciate Mythic Quest if you don't play video games. You're going to like it more if you do, though, because just I think some of the the narrative, just some just their storylines that they take on, I think, play into having an affinity or some knowledge of that kind of culture. So it's probably not for everyone. But if you are in that you know, Venn diagram of people who like workplace comedies that are smart and well-written also like video games, this probably might be your favorite show. It's You know, and again, it's just, it's high production quality. They manage a large ensemble pretty well. Everyone gets past the ball. Um, You have a good idea of who everyone is on the show. Uh, the exception of one or two people, but, you know, the five main people like above the line, you have a really good sense of all their characters. I don't know. It makes me laugh. It literally makes me, I, I as soon as the season two screeners came out, like I digested it in less than a day, I think. So I've been sitting on the, you know, the entirety of season two for a while now. The finale is like coming up in a week. So I'm just sitting here waiting for people to talk about
3: it. <laughs> I think you'd probably not be surprised to find out that Rob McElhaney, who's
1: basically the boss of the show and in the game, in the sh- in the show and on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty much that guy that he plays. From what I could tell,
3: he was except he was more. Uh, he was where Ian is is sort of aloof, and the things that he does can be funny as a result of his just I don't know the way he acts. Rob is actually a pretty pretty funny guy but not in that kind where he like cuts jokes exactly but i don't know i was amused watching him and everyone responded to him not just because he was the boss but because he was he was actually pretty funny guy
1: yeah exactly and just to prove the kind of guy he is in the game uh his father was named ian he did not have a good relationship with his father so he adopted the pronunciation ian and requires every much like ion zering, actually from 902 and requires <laughs> everyone to call him Iron in the show kind of thing like it's a thing like everyone you'll hear the show be like why are they calling the guy Ion? his name is ian you know that's why but that's not revealed for like episodes it's just everyone calls this guy this but then you kind of learn it in passing uh you know that's why he refuses and he reveals it as like you know most people pronounce my name ian kind of thing but i say ian you know like like it was a like, big <laughs> secret uh anyway yeah that's the kind of guy he is but you know season two has spent a lot of time kind of fleshing him out and humanizing him and there's a Relationship between him and uh, Charlotte Nick character, who plays Poppy Lee on the show they have I think my favorite relationship on television you know and it's not romantic I mean there's an undertone you could definitely see where that would happen maybe one day but it's just professional respect for each other and neither both need the other to do their job you know he's like the idea guy and she can put it into practice and neither of them can do the other's job without each other and so they have this kind of constant like ebb and flow where they constantly realize that they are better off working together than working apart which the things that they don't like about each other drive them crazy which forces them apart from each other but then they're completely impotent to get anything done apart and so they have to kind of come back together so the show's done a really good job of again it's a, it's a comedy for sure but they've done a good job of drawing these characters and and making a root for them and like that's the heart you know like especially season two really doubled down on it they did a quarantine episode that was all zoom it was like all Zoom. They mentioned that, yeah. It was groundbreaking, and 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 not only because you know after a year of knowing people were talking on Zoom and stuff, they told a really hard. Wrenching story, you know the character Poppy, Charlotte, Nick does character becomes basically like anxiety ridden and like a hermit, like stops bathing, stops washing her hair, can't like stops being able to appear on Zoom camera because she's just falling apart through Zoom camera. Like there's no like in person coverage; it's done all through Zoom camera footage or computer camera footage in a Zoom setting they tell this story they tell her story they tell Ian coming to like braving his own demons about going out in the middle of the pandemic and it was weird watching it because you had to think back to April March April May of like 2020 when it was new and we were scared and we didn't know I mean some of us are still scared you know but like we didn't know we didn't know what was happening or how dangerous everything was or what the world was going to look like and the show captures that so brilliantly and so beautifully as far as episodic television goes it's one of the best I've ever seen, just as a narrative storytelling device.
3: They talked about how they had to do their, their own makeup and things like that. They had to treat their own environments at at their places where they were doing the Zoom, their homes, I guess, and do it themselves, which is kind of new for actors to have to do that, that part of it. They got the stuff that was dropped off to them, but then after that, they had to do it themselves.
0: And that's that's very cool. That's that's very resourceful and you know ingenious to try to continue to make shows. We've we've all we've all lamented the the shows that couldn't make it through during pandemic. Couldn't figure out how to continue to shoot and how to continue to make you know the seasons go on. And so good on them for for being so smart and creative. It speaks to Mythic Quest itself, which I think is such a creative show within the show, if you will. Right, the crew, the group is so
1: creative. And because of the premise, because they're video game developers, if anyone was going to be able to pull off a a really technologically challenging episode. You would expect it to be this kind of show, but the fact that they did it, I mean, looking at the timeline, their last regularly scheduled episode that was like in person, like airs February 7th, 2020. The quarantine episode, this is a Zoom episode I'm talking about, comes out May 22nd, 2020. That's like, they did this right at the start, right at the start of this and telling a story that really would play out for months and months and months their season finale doesn't come out actually until 2 weeks before the season premiere their Everlight episode which was like their first back in person shooting episode you know comes out a full year later from this quarantine episode you know so they did it and then they kind of shut it down and it went yeah. into hibernation A really really impressive piece of television it it earned my love and respect uh, over the course uh, like so many apple tv plus shows did I, man what a sleeper network and i think i love <laughs> Just about everything on there, except for the morning show. I think that was a piece of shit, but uh, and and that's a hot take. And it's fine; it's produced very well. But I just didn't like the show. Otherwise, Apple TV Plus is just full of good shows. Agree. This was an Apple TV
0: Plus kind of day for us.
1: Before we leave, because it sounds like the answer is no, but there was anything from this panel that would make you guys want to go back and watch it.
3: I think the camaraderie and the way that the cast and writers meshed as, as one unit and even to an extent F. Murray Abraham, who stood out because he's, you know, much more accomplished actor wise, but also uh, much more advanced age wise than yes. anybody else on, on the panel. But even with that, they were all laughing at the same joke. When you see that, that kind of chemistry, you know that you've probably got something worth taking a look at. They had that.
1: Yeah, it's the kind of show that I imagine they have to do a lot of takes to get something where someone doesn't break or crack up. The F. Murray Abraham uh, aspect, I don't know if they talked about this on the panel, but even after they resumed in-person shooting, uh, which you could tell because from episode 11 of season one on, it was all back in-person filming. He was remote. He remained as a Zoom character through like the first half maybe through episode 5 or 6 of like season 2 he only appeared via like talking head on like a tv camera kind of thing and they had fun with it like they would carry him around kind of thing like here we go you know they even with that they they kind of rolled with it so you got to you got to keep him f murray abraham healthy and alive so <laughs> well that was ATX TV Festival Day Six: Another one in the books. There's still, oh, guys, help me here. Four days of coverage left. Uh, I think the big panel everyone is looking forward to on day seven is the horror anthologies, which I know, Paul. I think you are excited about. You're a horror guy,
3: Greg Nicotero. I mean, come on now. And that's a, There's no one more accomplished in that field than that guy. I think, but he's there with Creep Show, not The Walking Dead
1: that is right uh so there's beyond the scares there's pandemic proof which is uh, uh, about animation staying strong through the pandemic then you have horror anthologies and the big screening for tonight is uh ufo's docuseries from showtime's docuseries ufo which is screening on uh, day seven so lots to check out even on this random thursday uh thank you guys for listening
0: This is Caroline.
1: This is Paul. And this is Mike. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to all of Pod Clubhouse's podcast feeds at (laughs) Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be great so we don't have to break into song about why you should leave us a five-star rating. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you. PodClubhouse!